Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays. Bitten by radioactive The most bugs, interesting man in the world! Mutated <laughs> by toxic waste. Irradiated with cosmic rays. Born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, October the 21st, 2015, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle. I'm in the house with Steve Say. Ka-chow. And Mr. Bob Ryer. Too cold, too soon. That's the name of the next Fast and Furious. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're recording... Uh, well, it doesn't matter people listening at home, but we're recording a day early on Monday, so Stephanie could not be with us, so that's why she is not here today. Um, but it is, she didn't assign the book this week, so... She kept up. Uh, yeah. She has. She has still a streak of one I- involved. Um, but we're going to be talking about uh, the switch from uh, Ste- Stepan Sejic. I know I said it wrong, but You're close enough. Sejish. 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 Think of it as if you're Sean Connery saying it. That's mm. how I, I remember <laughs> doing it. Correctly. Who's that actor? Stepan Sejic. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> Catherine Sedgwick. Catherine Sedgwick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's the other name that I think of when I hear well, his name. Kira Sedgwick. Kira. That's it. Mrs. Kevin Bacon. Mrs. Kevin Bacon. Really? Yeah. For, like what, what? What? Like I'm supposed forever. to know? <laughs> All right. I had no forever idea. Forever and ever and ever. I'm not up on my bacon. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> Bacon's good. He's yeah. kind of, he's not in as many things as he used to be in. No, but he, I mean, he did a television show for two years, so that's something. Do you think the six degrees of Kevin Bacon still works? Uh, yes, because he's still been in enough movies with enough people, and most of those people are still making movies. You wonder if in twenty years they're going to be able to play that game. Well, no, probably not. No. I mean, you probably, but you could probably get to him. But the, but Kevin Bacon will have been probably dead for a while at that point. <laughs> so, need a few more degrees. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we used to play that game when I worked at Best Buy. When we would, like do like the inventory nights, we would play that game. Like us, uh, I would work in like the DVD section, the media section, and then with like the warehouse people, we'd like just go back and forth. We'd I, mm-hmm. I'd walk in, we'd say a name, they'd say a name, I'd walk out, I would come back in with the with the the steps, mm-hmm. then I'd go back out and they'd I'd say a name and then they'd do their thing and I'd go back in. My uh, my girlfriend and I we do a lot of driving because of the the airports and stuff. Mm-hmm. So she interest, introduced me to and it's it's a wild wild idea, the alphabet game. Okay, it's very easy. Yeah, I I would assume it's called the <laughs> alphabet game. But, like, you pick a topic. You pick, like, (laughs) fantasy or, Mm -hmm. you know, horror film titles or something, and you just back and forth, A, B, C, and you have to match one and then put one up and Mm -hmm. go back and forth. But if you go on a road trip with people and you get, like, four or five people in the car, it gets to be really interesting because people are then naming your stuff. And there are certain letters of the alphabet that you are sitting there, like, as your turn's going around, just like, shit, like, I got to... What the hell starts with I? Mm-hmm. Like what starts with you and all these things? And you'll finally get one. And you're like, yeah, I've got this. And then like the person before <laughs> you will give your answer, and then it just everything falls apart. So it's a good game, though. It's a good yeah. good time killer for sure. I play the so, m- the movie game a lot, which, which is, is 
Like I would, I would say, um, I think I played with you before, right, yes. Bob? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I would say, let's say the Avengers, and then Bob would say Robert Downey Jr. And then I've named another movie, Robert Downey Jr. So yeah, I'd say like okay, Chaplin. <laughs> yeah. So this is a little bit more organized than uh, Brian's movie game uh, from a while back. Oh, the one he, yeah, 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 yeah. But this is actually, Brian Brian and I have played this game, Brian from Talking Movies, we've played this game, I I can't even, six billion times. And we, sometimes we change the rules, sometimes you have to, sometimes we do another version where you name, like, the name of one person, so, like, you do, like, Tom Cruise, and then you go back and forth trying to name as many Tom Cruise movies as possible Mm -hmm. until someone gets stumped and can't think of one. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, so that's, uh, that's a game that I... It's a tough game to play with everybody because 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 not everybody's as crazy as about movies. <laughs> but it's when you have a bunch of people who know a lot about movies, it's a fun game to play. I'd lasted that for a little while, but not. I, I wouldn't be able to play in uh, in the league. With, uh, <laughs> and you spell horse, company. so you spell movie. So like every time yeah. you can't you can't make it, you get stumped. You get a letter. You get a letter. I like it. Yeah, it's fun. It's a good one. I guess it's like the opposite of horse. No, 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 no. If you can get it. Wait, do you have to? I don't even remember at this no, point. No, if you miss if, if, playing basketball, if you miss a shot, you get a letter. Right. So in this case, if you miss a movie, you, you get, get a, you get a an M or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yes, um, it's a fun game. It's a very fun game. Uh, you probably do it with comic books. Yeah. Creators or creators. characters or you could. Yeah, we could do it. I mean, we could do it absolutely. I think that would be a very small circle of people that we, yeah. <laughs> we could do that with. Um, and also, uh, and. Th- that game equals Bob wins. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't probably. matter. Artie Simek. <laughs> Bob wins. See, yeah. I'm already out. He already won. Yeah, he already won the day. I'll take a C for comics. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like I said, we're going to be talking about uh, the Switch today for our, our, our shared book of the week. Um, and just so you all know, we're going to have a normal book of the week next week. Bob's going to sign that after we talk about the Switch. But um, in addition to that, we're, our kind of topic. Um, we're going to talk about Death Vigil, vo- Volume 1, in-, in completion. So we're going to have a book club sort-, sort of thing on it. So if you want to read Death Vigil, the trade is out now, 1999 uh, from Image Comics. Yeah. Um, you know, something that we've been talking about wanting to read for a while, and now we finally get to dig into it, and we want to focus on it and, and-, and-, and jump into it. Because, I mean, almost a year ago now at this point, people were telling us to read it for end-of-the-year stuff, and now finally we're going to have a chance to dig into it. Mm-hmm. So we'll-, we'll be tackling that. Um, a little business right at the top as well. Uh, Talking Comics, Talking Comics family will be participating in Extra Life 2015 this year. If you don't know what Extra Life is, it is a video game marathon for charity. So it raises money for uh, the Miracle Network, uh, Children's Miracle oh. Network hospitals. Um, so you know everybody has individual, uh, you know accounts basically and but we're all part of the we'll all, we'll all be part of the Talking Comics team. Uh, the Talking Comics team uh, has a a top goal of $5,000 raised. Um, if everybody listened to the podcast, gave a dollar, we would hit that goal f- easily. <laughs> you know? So, um, I would just ask, you know, there, there's links on the site, check it out. Um, it, we, uh, again, we don't see any of that money. This is purely for charity. Um, I, I don't know everybody else's schedule. My, my plan and if we raise enough money, I definitely will do it, which is that I'm going to start at nine o'clock in the morning on Sunday, November 8th and attempt to go, Till Monday morning at nine a.m. Wow, uh, the ninth, a twenty-four hour thing. That's kind of the thing you're supposed to do on this one day. Beast mode. So I'm gonna try to do that. I, I don't know if I'll be able to make it, but um, I think I'm gonna finally. I'm definitely gonna run the first raid in Destiny, which I've never done before. Um, gonna play some PT. I think. Gonna try to beat Bloodborne. Uh, a couple things. So 
uh, and I, t- I took some. I- I've been writing my Twitter, asking people to write in, see what they want me to play. I got some suggestions, but again, uh, uh, you know, look out for our Twitter and look out for. There's a page on our website at talkingcomicbooks.com, which when people start letting me know what they want to do. I'm going to start putting a schedule in for people what they're going to do so you know, or at least you know who is going to be wow. uh, streaming. So um, go to go to talkingcomicbooks.com. Right at the top bar, the first entry is Extra Life 2015. Um, you know, just as like I said, give anything you can. Give a dollar. And also, if you give money, you get stuff, too. You get, like, beta access codes to games, and you can get, like, you know, free... T- uh, like subscriptions and stuff like that. Uh, they don't list them out, but when you get us, you start doing a certain amount, you'll get starting emails giving you stuff. So, um, you, you have you have double reason to to get it done. And I'll, I'll talk about this next week as, as well, um, probably the week after as well, mm-hmm. just to make sure that everybody knows about it. But um, yeah, so that's that's going on. I'm sure we have a bunch of our people participating. I am. That's yep. that's the plan. I think Hugh's going to run the raid with me. Nice. Um, I'm trying to get. Brad Jones to run the raid with me awesome. as well because he hasn't done it yet. He plays Destiny. Have you ran the first raid yet? I have not. Then you should do that with us. I will do it. We'll, find, we're gonna, we're, we'll schedule a time. That's probably going to be about kind of prime time-ish, like either afternoon or like um, early evening so we can like get as many people as possible watching it and playing um, I'm actually going to be in Canada when this is happening, mm-hmm. same as last year. Mm-hmm. It's just the timing. Um, but I would like to participate yeah, since of I didn't get to last year. But for listeners, if you're from Canada, do you have any idea what the deal is internet-wise or how much like systems are playing online games-wise eats up of your like allotted time per month and you know about it, uh, tweet at me or write me or something like that because I would love to hear your information and opinions on that because that's what kept me from doing it last year. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want my girlfriend to wind up with like a $300 bill for me playing all day (laughs) online well there it's like something like 80 gigabytes a month worth of data and i um i was there one time and i downloaded the new batman game and that game was like god it was like 50 something and then another 18 (laughs) it was something really high and her her bill that following month was like another 150 dollars over what it normally is and that Mm. was totally my fault (laughs) (laughs) so um and of course i'm going to be away when fallout 4 Mm. and tomb raider come out i'm just Batting a thousand this trip, yeah. but I would very much, and I would like to do the raid because I have not done a raid yet, and I have two forty level characters. Cool, ready so that's to go. great because if it's at least me, you, and Brad won't have ever done the raid because I wanted to get as many people who hadn't done it yeah. before as, as possible. So um, I know Hugh has done it, but he, he, we're, we're I'll probably harangue him into doing it with us anyway. Mission leader or something since he's been <laughs> down team this leader. road before. Fire yeah. team leader. Fire that's team it. leader. All right, so that's some of the video games. I'm going to mention it every time we possibly can because it's for yeah, a great cause. Absolutely. So please. Um, it, it, I would like you to support the Talking Comics team, but if you want to support any team, go right ahead. Just check it out and give to it. You, you should know about Extra Life. All right, so um, we've got some we got some books to talk about. I'll say, Bob, I, I feel like this past week though there was like I feel like someone gave you a gift and then took it away from you when those rumors oh, surfaced about Fantastic Four. I was so thrilled when <laughs> when our friend Sarah sent me that that news article, and it this makes sense. This really does because that the X Men stories had, had popped that they were having two television shows. Yes, and just as years ago there was the sort of trade that was going to happen between mm-hmm. Marvel and DC, where it seemed like the FF was going to come home. Mm-hmm. No, no, they dashed my hopes. I made myself a deal. I saw that article and I saw I saw your your Periscope mm-hmm. thing from the car, and I'm like, all right, Steve, what are we doing about this? <laughs> I said I'm going to give this 24 hours. <laughs> 
24 hours before I say anything or have any emotions towards this whatsoever. <laughs> and sure enough, I didn't have to wait long, long, for long for it to be debunked. And I was like, that's why. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it got, it got debunked very, very quickly. Uh, but. Which isn't to say. No, it isn't There to say wasn't it. some truth to it that is still percolating behind the scenes. No, I, I, obviously yeah. not. Uh, but. You know, it, there was a lot of factors that sort of lined up, right, to make it seem possible. Mm-hmm. There was the X-Men thing. So if people have heard about that, there's going to be two X-Men television shows, one based on the Hellfire Club. It's, it's going to be a period piece. Uh, and the other is going to be Legion, which uh, sweet X-Men Legacy, right, was the one, yep. the, the most recent mm-hmm. series where he was uh, heavily featured. Uh, and it's going to be the, you know, he's going to be Xavier's son, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I, one is on FX, and I, I forgot the. I think the other one might be on Fox proper, or one's on FX, mm-hmm. one's on FXX. I'm not, I'm not sure, but... Uh, in order to make that deal, uh, Fox had to work something out with Marvel because even though Fox has the the movie rights to the X Men characters, they don't have the television rights. Those are different sets of rights. Yep. Uh, but obviously, Marvel let, let them go forward with it. And then, kind of right before that happened, uh, Marvel during Comic Con announced that there's the, the three they announced three, three films. unannounced films yeah. in in 2020. So. That, that kind of just perfectly lined up for people to go, okay, so they, they announced these movies, they didn't say what they were, and then this X-Men deal went through, which had to be some sort of haranguing, so now this this piece comes through. Somebody yeah. told, you know, one side that this happened, and a lot of people talked about it, and, you know, I always knew it was, it was a rumor, but it's a very interesting one at that, and it makes some sense for Fox to do it, because not only, look, if, if Fantastic Four had been a critical flop, but a commercial success... Whatever they yeah. don't, they, they don't care. But the movie costs them a bunch of money to, to make. So when they make the, if they're going to make a, a next one, which they have to make a next one if they want to keep the rights anyway. Do they want to? Is it worth them to lose another potentially lose a hundred million dollars yeah. to potentially gain a hundred million? You know, who knows? But hundred million dollars, who knows? But so or make a couple of really successful, possibly really successful television shows out of the franchise that has done very well for them. And I said the the longest legs. You know, which has never had an unsuccessful property for them, basically. So, uh, you know, uh, it, it made sense, but it obviously, as of now, is not happening. But the same thing happened with the Sony stuff. They said it wasn't happening, and then it did happen. So, who knows? Maybe where there's smoke, there's fire. Yep. Maybe they make a deal the way they did with Sony. Yeah. Where it's, oh, you make the movie, we'll share in the profits, or mm-hmm. we'll find some other ways. But you take this over and try to do something with this. What do you think of the two show ideas? Um... I think they're cool. You know, I, I honestly, I, I won't I will lie. I was hoping for just like the X-Men, you know, and, and get a television show with all of those characters. Because mm-hmm. I think that's obviously the best way to showcase such a wide variety of characters. Um, it's tough to do that in a movie. Um, you know, it's tough to do that past five characters. And once you get past mm-hmm. five characters, you're just, it's just like a bunch of cameos. Um, and with a TV show, you'd be able to do a long running episodic thing where you could really develop a lot of people. So as I was hoping for, but... The fact that they're doing something, period, I think is great. Um, TV is a great place to do that. And both of those shows, actually, well, especially Hellfire, I can see the story engine. I can see the, this is what each episode is going to be, other than just the fact that there's an overarching story, because there has to be both in a television show. There's something that powers each individual episode, and something that powers the overall. Legion, I'm not sure what that's going to be, but again, it's cool. It's a character that would never make it to one of their movies, and if he did, he would be a very sideline character because he's neither really like not really a hero, not really mm. a villain. He's like somewhere in the middle and that morally gray stuff. They don't really do in the big blockbuster stuff. So in the TV show, I think it'd be cool, but you're obviously a, you were a huge fan of X-Men legacy. Yeah. 
Um, what do you think about a Legion show? I think it's fantastic if they if they approach it right. I mean, you're talking about an Omega level mutant mm-hmm. who has just like different powers in his head. I guess is the easiest way that mm-hmm. I could put it. He absorbs, not absorbs, but like he was his mind is has all these creatures in it and all these things, all these powers, and he's able to, he keeps them in a prison and he's kind of built this construct in his mind and he goes and he extracts powers as he needs them. Basically calls upon them kind of like, um, the five ghosts of Fabian gray, Mm -hmm. but completely and totally insane. Um, and then there's kind of a jailbreak in, inside of his mind and all the, all the walls and all the, all the protections that he put up fall away. And he just becomes this, overpowered unpredictable person right um if you had that type of character where they were they were consistently like a danger to themselves and others and then you have the character that's kind of pulling them back down off the ceiling and trying to like hold them back together you could have some really good emotional beats in there with another you know a female lead or a male lead or whatever Mm -hmm. you want to do and um i mean it's it's weird right like it's a weird character for them to be like you know, we're gonna we're gonna take Legion. I mean, I I don't know anything about him beyond um, the series that I read with the, all those crazy Mike Del Mundo covers. But I mean, there was weird stuff going on in there, and there were a lot of really potentially great characters. And he's kind of also a young character, mm-hmm. um, more or less. He's got to be in like his late twenties, mid twenties. Look like to me, yeah. something like that. So you can have like a fresh cast with fresh faces. There's room to have other mutants in there. You can pull characters from the school or you can pull directly from his series because you are dealing with, you know, characters like Armor. Like, I would love to see Armor in some kind of movie or television show where there's just this this overpowered girl walking around with giant red glowing armor smashing through walls and picking up cars yeah. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That would be amazing. So, like I said, if they if they handle it right, they get some good writers and they don't, they kind of pace it a little bit like don't blow your wad with the whole powers equal personality kind of thing and maybe if there's going to be some kind of a jailbreak if like that's like the the threat throughout like the thread that ties it all together take your time with that mm-hmm. have there be like a separate like separate like things that are actually going on in the show around him and then have a separate part of it where like we revert back into his mind and there's like a caper going on and one of the personalities or one of the powers is fixing it so that everything breaks out. He's he's planning the jailbreak. So you're bouncing between inside of his mind and out. And there's a conflict as the, you know, as things get shadier on the inside, he gets shadier on the outside. I don't know. I got ideas. Call I, me. Yeah. I, I could see it uh, <laughs> very much being each episode being accessing a different power. Yeah. And then the, like the finale would be the kind of breakout yeah. stuff. But. Well, I mean, we'll see. I think it's cool. I mean, I, I think that, I mean, it seems like they're both on cable networks, so they're both probably going to be 12 episode things, 10 episode things, which is great, I, I think, for, 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 for TV now. So we'll see. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, it was funny because the announcement happened and then this like fake or this like, you know, this rumor happened and that rumor, I think, sort of superseded the uh, announcements of yeah. TV shows in, mm-hmm. in my mind. Uh, but I, mean, I don't know. We'll see. I totally so. want to read that again now. What, X-Men Legacy? Yeah, I really do. Thinking about it, I really do. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so I mean, that was kind of the, the big news that broke. Big dur- sad news. During- <laughs> 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 big sad news that broke d- during during the week. Yeah. Um, 
But let's talk about some books that did come out this week. Steve, you're going to go first here. I got one from last week and then a bunch from this week. Okay. Cool. That's fine. Okay. Good. I wasn't going to yell at you for that. All right. Let me put three minutes. I had to, I had to move from five minutes to three minutes because last time we did five minutes. Uh, you I have don't th- have five minutes anyway. No. Yeah. All right. You have three minutes and go. So I finally caught up with Doctor Strange number one. From, you talked about this last week, right? It was great. It was, it was fantastic. It really, really was fantastic. I loved every page of it. The art is just absolutely bananas and exactly what it needs to be for a book as strange as Doctor Strange. And um, there was this one moment where he saves, a, he saves a little boy and the family's asking, you know, what can we do for you? And he makes this really, really awesome gesture of basically taking the thanks that he would have been given and and paying it forward to someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was a really, really sweet moment in this kind of mysterious uh, character. I can't wait to read more of this. I have a feeling it's going to be really good. Uh, I checked out Survivor's Club from, uh, I should open this up, uh, number one from Vertigo, and it's Lauren Bucus uh, writing Dale uh, Holverson. Oh, he's also writing. And Ryan Kelly as artist. So here's the deal. There's a video game that a girl played a long time ago, and the video game was Possessed. And when she got to a certain level, it activated kind of a hell beacon of sorts and disrupted the lives of about like seven or eight people. And now the end of the world is coming once again, and she has to gather everyone up and find out what they can recall about kind of that event that happened to all of them, piece it all together, and find figure out how to beat the game before the world ends. Um, it's a little hard to follow. It's super strange, and if it if if it wasn't for like a few things going on towards the end of the issue, I don't know that I would continue with it. But there's enough weirdness and enough intrigue going on in the issue that I definitely want to give it a second one just to kind of see if I could piece together what's happening. Um, we focus down on the main character a lot, and we don't really get to learn a whole bunch about the others, but you see flashes of their kind of interaction with this event that happened. And a lot of that stuff looks interesting. So I'm going to check it out for another one. And the other book I wanted to mention really quick is sex criminals. Number 13 talk about this book all the time. This was a rather special issue uh, for me. It is, I love this whole introducing us to new characters with new abilities. And we meet a very unique person who this time out, we're meeting someone who's asexual and basically can climax in a really, 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 really interesting and very deep-rooted way. And it's a complete departure from a lot of the other stuff happening in the book and just tells this really gorgeous tale of how you don't necessarily need to adhere to all the pressures that you experience in, in sex growing up, and you can just love yourself, and that's fine. So really, really, really dug this issue. It feels like a one-off. I don't know if this character will come into the main fray, but I hope they do because I think they're interesting enough to uh, be a, a major player later on. I mean, yeah, so uh, good timing, by the way. Uh, <coughs> the, uh, the character, though, meets a character from yes. we've already met, and there is a strong implication that that he's going to come into the rest of it because mm-hmm. the, their conversation True. makes me think they're going to be in direct opposition to our main characters mm. so uh, I, uh but no it was a really great issue um you know i, I think not as uh not as obviously showy as the last issue was yeah with the you know hentai <laughs> cum angel or whatever yeah. that was in it but uh really interesting and you're right it, it 
it's very it's very dark in some ways the, the way that this person yeah get, gets themselves to that to that place and i think that that psychological aspect is probably going to be dug into deeper as as we, as we get into that that character's psyche but uh interesting very interesting issue love the cover credits what does this say Harvey Award winning humorist Chip Zdarsky and chums. That's <laughs> <laughs> nice. great. Oh my god. Um, so yeah, so sex criminals. We we we, we asked, Can you read? Can you reread the titles of the books that you that you just said? Because we we got told that we don't read the titles of the books. Sure. Enough. Ah. Uh, Doctor Strange number one from Marvel, of course. Uh, Survivors Club number one from Vertigo, and Sex Criminals number thirteen. All right. It's not a bad habit to get into to rename them at the end. No, 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 no. not at all. Not at all. The happy recap. Hey, I like it. <laughs> all right, Bob. You've got three minutes. I didn't throw you off this week. You don't, I, didn't, I didn't add minutes. I didn't take away okay. minutes. Let's see what we can do. Let's see what you can do. You have three minutes and go. Well, New Avengers 1, stories by Al Ewing. And it's okay, but as a jumping on point, it leaves something to be desired. Uh, we're introduced to this new team in a two-page spread. Wiccan, White Tiger, Power Man, Songbird, Hulkling, Squirrel Girl. And their leader, the new head of AIMs, Roberta Costa, who was one sunspot of the New Mutants. It does a decent job of highlighting personalities and interactions, but without any real setup from the zero issue of the Avengers that was out or the end of Secret Wars, it's difficult to fathom how this group came together at all. So that's that's a problem. But And additionally, some of the art is problematic, particularly on the female characters, most especially on Squirrel Girl, whose facial features are rendered in a rather demeaning way, I'll say it. And although we heard editor Katie Kubert at the Women of Marvel panel say they had spoken to the artist about how Squirrel Girl should have smaller breasts and a bigger butt, that doesn't seem to have happened here, at least as of yet. So we'll see what goes on. Better was Starfire number five, which has really found solid footing for its fish-out-of-water vibe. Although in this case, Corey gets a job in the local aquarium because she's able to learn why a dolphin is ailing simply by talking to her after they kiss. <laughs> uh uh, also, it's, you know, it's just good fun stuff. And as Jimmy Palmieri said at the show, uh, no dolphins were harmed during the making of this comic. <laughs> DC Bombshells 3 was absolutely stellar with the team Marguerite uh, tying together a whole bunch of plot threads. As Kate Kane enlists in the army, we see Wonder Woman Mera join the fight too. And we, as Zatanna, seen the light. A lot of fun. Thank you for turning me on oh. to this, Bobby. It got me going on that. It was a little iffy, but went for it. Uh, speaking of teams, Ms. Bennett teams up with G. Willow Wilson and artist Jorge Molina for the stirringly touching conclusion to A-Force with issue five. Uh, the heroines of Arcadia are facing an invasion of zombified super beings set upon them by a traitor in their midst while still dealing with the fallout of the Baron Sheikos drive to know more of what's going on beyond their world. Uh, amazing battle sequences that is filled with gems of smaller superheroine stuff, great characters that... that Seemingly, their actions delayed everything that these characters have been about through here and the rest of the Marvel Universe. And one in particular that comprises the battle's end that had me, frankly, a wreck. It's a beautiful told story that is just got me pining for what Avengers Zero was going to be and what, what could even be the MCU to come. So A-Force number five, DC Bombshells number three, Starfire number five, and New Avengers number one. All right. Nicely done. Very Thank nicely you. done. I have to tell you, when it took me a second because when you said I was a wreck, I really thought you said I was erect. <laughs> no, no, no. I was a wreck. W R E C K. Yeah. 
So that happened. In the, no, no. <laughs> I was like, that was very Weird bad language from Bob. Say yeah. That you hear what you want to hear. Yeah. About. No, there you go. Um, so, uh, New Avengers. I think. Did we all read New Avengers? Yeah, I read it. Okay. So I want to talk about that really quick. The New Avengers. Sorry, not. New uh, that's Avengers. true. I forgot about the uh, definite. Article. I didn't realize that until right this moment. I was looking yep. at your book. So, I I agree almost wholeheartedly with, with what you said about it. Um, the the art. He he's an artist, Sandoval, right? Sandoval is the artist mm-hmm. who intentionally, I think, tries to echo the era of comics that we sort of all don't really like. <laughs> Which, yeah, you know, he it's very image nineties yep. image style. Um, and uh, when he was doing, yeah. he did yeah. Age of Apocalypse for in the Battle World stuff. I think it worked because that is a story from that era. Um, this I feel like does not work at all, and th- it disappoints me that I didn't love the book mainly because I really love the individual members. Of the team, it's a great roster. Yeah, very varied. You can yes. see Al Ewing having a great time with this, but yeah, yeah. And because when I heard the roster, I was so because having uh, Wicked and, and Hulkling in it alone makes me incredibly mm-hmm. excited to read the book. Um, not to mention Squirrel Girl, and that that stuff really, really pumped up to read it. And then reading it, I was disappointed on two fronts. One, I don't think the story itself is very engaging and two like you said bob i didn't read avengers zero and i it, it felt like a week it's like it was starting six pages after mm-hmm. the start you know so i didn't i didn't have connection to the story it, di- it didn't feel weird and i didn't know that when i read it either i didn't know that it had a part in avengers zero so mm-hmm. I, I i read it feeling that way and then when i talked to you about it you mentioned that and it kind of crystallized yeah. it in my there's head. not much in avengers zero either okay there's almost a flashback in avengers zero to actions that happen here mm. in a weird sort of splash page so it wouldn't have helped any what about you steve uh i was a little disappointed in it i uh i picked it up because like al ewing is always somebody that i i read the first few and then i drop off for whatever reason something gets in the way and i never finish it and i'm like i'm gonna pick up one of his yeah. books and maybe it'll be this one and maybe i'll stick with it um i just didn't I, the marvel universe isn't defined enough for me to really latch onto what was happening in this book. Like I haven't, I haven't read secret wars, I think past three, maybe there's six of them out now. Yes. Okay. So these number ones are coming out and this, this universe that is supposed to now be defined, you know, at this point isn't. And with the exception of Dr. Strange, um, I just found this, I have no idea why these people are together. I didn't think the like the the crystal head threat thing. It was very, yeah. it was very comic booky, but a little boring it, it, to start off like a series featuring these really awesome characters. And like I liked the whole like weird kind of um, like souls of the of the lost angle thing that they were using for these crystal mm-hmm. things. But I just without having that knowledge of what actually went down, I still have God Doom and everything in yeah. my head. And then all of a sudden, it looks like none of that matters. Like, I haven't seen anybody mention any of that stuff at all. So without having a cap on that other stuff, I'm finding it very difficult to enjoy this. Agreed. So. I will, I, I, I will say I really liked the uh, uh, exchange between uh, Duggan mm-hmm. uh, and, and like the whole Hawkeye aspect. I thought that was a very funny little, little, little section. And I do think that he draws uh, Ultimate Reed 
really, really well. It was very yeah. the the angles and the the coloring and the shading there were, were all pretty beautiful. And I I will give him credit for that. But overall, the book did disappoint me, it disappointed me uh, quite a bit because it was one of the ones I was looking forward to the most, mainly yeah. because of the, the the roster of of the team. Yeah, no, the writer for me and that roster said, yeah, I'll give this a shot because Mighty Avengers became one of my favorites really quickly with a very odd roster. So Ultimates mm-hmm. is coming. Yes, and he's doing I was that. Say, with, what is that? That's next month, right? Yeah. And that's Blue Marvel and mm-hmm. some of those other characters yeah. again from that. So, yeah, there'll be that. Yeah. There'll be that. And you never know. I mean, it might be just like all the other books, which it will start slowly and then maybe get better yeah. five or six issues in. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and Bob will be the only one championing it. as well. <laughs> And then it'll get canceled. Yeah. Like everything else. <laughs> the graveyard. In that the, order. Yep. Yeah. It's sort of like that scene in the original Days of Future Past. You walk past the graveyards of superheroes. Well, in my case, it's the graveyard of canceled books. <laughs> All right, here I go. Boom. All right, so uh, Batman and Robin Eternal, n- number two. Like the second issue very much as well. I'm, I'm trying to force myself, not that it hasn't been enjoyable, but force myself to make sure I buy each issue at least for a few months just to see what it's like to read them week by week mm-hmm. and get that full kind of picture. Um, you know, so every time it pops up, I'm just going gonna, gonna to buy it for the next couple of weeks and, and really give it, give it a fair chance. I, th- I thought it was a very good. Again, interesting book. Um, like the focus on Robin, so I'm I'm cool with that. Uh, Batman also came out this week. Uh, enjoyed it. Very fun. I like the amount of fun that Snyder's having with the Gordon as Batman stuff and, and dealing sort of the ins and outs of, of him and, and the challenges that he has doing what he's doing. Um, uh, I, re- I read Uncanny Avengers as, as well this week. And I enjoyed Uncanny Avengers a lot more than I enjoyed New Avengers. Still, really, neither one of them kind of was was a home run for me. I liked Uncanny Avengers because uh, it was not taking itself very seriously. It was obviously meant to be more in the spirit of Duggan's Deadpool, which it's uh, Duggan is writing Uncanny Avengers now, and, and the art itself it, it's very satirical. It, it, it's it's very. Uh, overblown in some ways you know old t rogers has like you know the craggiest deepest wrinkles you could possibly <laughs> imagine stuff like that it's very angular and weird ryan segment is doing a very interesting thing with his art in, in this book but much like the deadpool stuff uh and i think people who liked his deadpool run will like this but for mu- much for me with his deadpool stuff and most Deadpool stuff for me the the, the sort of the jokes are continuous and too much for me. Just I, I need a little bit more variation in, in what what's there. I did like some of the interactions. I, I liked, you know, uh, what's going on with Rogue. I, I like the idea that now the Uncanny Avengers has to involve the Inhumans because now there's a third faction that's growing in power and, and stuff like that. So that I, I, I very much enjoyed. Um, I, but I don't think it's going to be a book I pick up every, every month. But I gave it a shot. We'll see how, how it goes. Um and the Twilight Children, which is Gil- Gilbert Hernandez and Darwin Cook, it's a it's a Vertigo series. It takes place in a, in a small seaside town where seemingly these sort of orbs appear have been appearing in the ocean in in the in the town, and they don't know what they are, they don't know where they're coming from. They just know they're there, when, and then all of a sudden they'll look away and look back, and they'll be gone. Um, but some weird stuff has happened around them. There's there's police and, and federal investigators investigating them, and they're sort of the town sort of crazy guy who nobody believes anything from, who's seeing stuff maybe that it's a little bit, um, a little bit past what people are people are used to. Uh, the art is absolutely gorgeous, of course. Uh, it's written well. It's a little thin for a first issue, but what I really like is Gilbert Hernandez brings sort of that uh, love and rockets sort of 
the interpersonal relationships and the small details of people talking to people and people doing things to this book and I think that can make it something special in the long run but just in this first issue it was a little thin but I do recommend it if you're a fan of either of those people to, to mm-hmm. check it out well you want to read that story and that'll yes. bring you back even figuring it'll build nicely yes. with a, a, a creator like that exactly e- exactly and yes the, the the team itself is what's going to keep me coming back to it um I really kind of discovered the kind of Hernandez brothers reading the Love Bunglers a couple years ago, and since then I've really been in love with what they do. So I'm looking forward to seeing this and starting on the ground floor with something and going on from there. Yeah, so that's that's the lightning round. All right, Steve, what do you got for book of the week? Uh, I read. I don't know if I'm ready. Oh, did you read Uncanny Avengers? By the way, no. Okay, no. I need two seconds. Did anybody talk about Spider Gwen? No, 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 we didn't talk about Spider Gwen. Should right? we? Yeah, we'll talk about it real quick. Okay. Sure. Radioactive Spider Gwen, uh, <laughs> which that is actually the name. It's listed. It's previewed as Spider Gwen. They said to keep confusion out of, out of it, but okay, uh, it's th- that radioactive is the real subtitle to uh, Spider Gwen. Wow. And same team uh, as mm-hmm. before, and Latour and Rodriguez and. I I thought it picked up very nicely from where the last one left off. It really is. I forgot where the last one number thing the last one left off on, but it's yeah, really like six or seven. Or whatever it's really like Spider Gwen number eight or whatever. It it does not. It does not start a new. It even has a previously in in, in the in the book, and uh, I really enjoyed the mystery aspect that 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 this issue brought, <clears throat> and I like the fact that we're finally starting to deal with the the Peter Parker of it all, you know, the situation that kind of created her and made her who, who she was. Um, and the mystery of Peter Parker was one thing, but there's this other thing running around that kind of looks like who Peter Parker was. So what's going on? That kind of stuff I, I thought was really interesting. And I liked it. The art is of course amazing. It's always amazing. I, I love it. Bob, I know you're a huge fan of the series. What do yeah, you think of it? I a little underwhelmed. Really? Um, I suppose what I expected from this first issue was just a knock-out-of-the-park home run. Mm. And I remember the first time around when this premiered the same week as Silk, Mm -hmm. I was really looking forward to Spider-Gwen, and it turned out that Silk was something I liked more. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe it's my own expectations. Uh, Again, interesting mystery tie-ins to what else happened before. There is this sort of... This is Earth 65. There's a page at the back mm-hmm. where they describe where this is at. So it's a, where is this taking place in regard to everything else? And we're still into sorting some of that out. So I think I'm bringing some of my disappointment about that into it too. Good issue. A lot of fun. I think it's going to continue to build and build and build. So I am i don't need to reserve judgment. I did enjoy the issue. Mm-hmm. I wanted to enjoy it more. Okay. I'm kind of in the same boat about it. I um I like the character. I love the art. I absolutely love the art. Um, but I find my my same problem with the the last series. Uh, despite loving it, I find it to be a little bit erratic. Sometimes like a little a little manic in its presentation. That I'm either I'm reading it too fast, or because the art is so kinetic that it's making me kind of read through certain things, and I'm not picking up on the um like the changes in setting and the changes in mood. And whatever I don't know about mood, I'm getting distracted by Bob. Bob's dying the other up room. along in the back. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's all right, Bob. It's okay. Um, 
I don't know. I, 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 it's like Bob said, like, I like it. I enjoy it a lot, but I, I don't love it as much as I expected to love it. I, I, I think that this book and Bob, you mentioned it kind of when you're talking about it, this book more than really most uh, out there right now, I think s- suffers from people's expectations uh, because we, like I said, you, Bob said you, that we were all so excited for the first issue mm-hmm. and then sort of the first issue didn't really blow us away. And then, and, and Silk did with, which book we had no expectations for. And then going forward, I think by the time Spark went ended, we were all very excited about it. And, 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 and when that last, that last issue was, it was its best yeah. issue. And, and so when this one restarts, I think that, Again, it, it, it's all, again back at the mercy of these circumstances. Where if this was just Spider Gwen number eight, it would just be. I like the issue wasn't my favorite, but I still love the series. But right. because it has a number one on it, it's like, oh, I liked it, but it wasn't one hundred percent. So what does this mean for the the future of the series and all this kind of stuff? It's a it's a rough thing. Um, you have to rebuild our faith all over. Yeah, again. yeah exactly. <coughs> There's a couple of ones I really yeah. loved. I love the moment uh, with her little like, I don't, it's a hamster. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought that one was it was really cute. Really, really cute. I like the I like the reveal at the end. Uh, a new character in the universe, sort of making making themselves known, um, and the new status quo with with Captain Stacy knowing who she is 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 an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am I am excited about what's coming forward, and I do like I love because I, I, we haven't seen the Miles Morales Spider Man yet, so uh, we're probably gonna have a, a Spider Man in the MCU. Uh, again, who is very street level? Very, I'm gonna go into a sewer with a, with a hot dog and try yeah. to and try to smoke the villain out, you know. Uh, but you know, recently with the with the Peter Parker stuff, just because they've already done that a thousand times, Dan Slott's sort of taken away from that. Obviously, Amazing Spider-Man is intentionally taking away from that to make room for Miles to sort of be the New York Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But seeing her doing that stuff, going into the sewers, you know, sort of hitting the pavement, I, I really like that mm-hmm. aspect right. of the book. Yeah. Played up her intelligence, yes. her drive to get things done. She is the daughter of a police captain. Mm-hmm. Learned a lot. So yes. that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I uh, <coughs> absolutely love this page where she's down in the sewers yeah. and she, she yeah. uh, cracks uh, uh, glow sticks. Mm. Yeah. And the the art for this for these couple of panels is just amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, Robert Rodriguez's art is absolutely stunning. It's always stunning. It's always the highlight of the book. Even when the, even when the book is fantastic, it's... The, the most fantastic thing about it. So right. look, here's the thing: the book is probably a solid nine. Mm-hmm. I just wanted it to go to eleven, <laughs> and and that's and that's look. It's how great this book was that mm-hmm. they were doing. Right. And so you want it to be. Not every issue of Stan Jack's Fantastic Four was a ten either. Right. You yeah. Know, like oh well, okay, there's always next issue. I think there are certain series that you really <clears throat> you want to see you want to see them win big, mm-hmm. and you you build it up in your own mind and. You know, it's it's awesome that it's enjoying so much success and so many people love it. But you have kind of a had like a, like a harsh eye mm-hmm. on it because I'm like, you better be good. <laughs> hey, did you guys watch? I sent you a, a the fan trailer. Yes, I did. Yeah, that was a few <coughs> weeks ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Where someone took the stuff from the Amazing Spider-Man movies mm-hmm. of Emma Stone as Gwen and spliced together a Spider-Gwen trailer with, with eventually a cosplayer doing Spider-Gwen, mm-hmm. and it really, really worked. Check your email. <laughs> I think I watched it, but I don't remember it. Mm-hmm. I definitely it was cute. It was really it, done well. And I think that we should make a podcast pact that when we're talking about these books, we can no longer talk about the fact that the, the, the albatross of Secret Wars, because that's not Robbie Rodriguez and Jason Latour's fault. True. 
It's not, even if we don't like Uncanny Avengers or New Avengers, it's not those writers' faults. And there might be people who aren't reading Secret Wars who are just now reading these books for the first time because they're number ones. And if we're talking about the other stuff, then our reviews sort of mean Okay, nothing. well, listen, I had not, I've not read Secret Wars. Right, no, I, read, I know. I read one and two. But you know about, I'm, I'm, talking, about people, know I'm, about, talking, about, I'm right. talking about people who are coming in like, oh, they're new number ones. I heard about this yeah. Spider-Man book. I heard about this thing. Uh, I want to check this stuff out. So that's what people I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about people who, who, who are... Um, conscientious objectors yeah, yeah. to Secret Wars. <laughs> uh, I mean, we can talk about that stuff in sort of in sort of you know the, the editorial sense when we're talking you know on the show. But just from reviewing book to book, I don't want to because uh, uh, it becomes a broken record. I don't want to keep saying like oh, Secret Wars isn't over yet, so that sucks. And I don't know what's going on here. Like we've all said it, all of us, multiple times, mm-hmm. and I just think we need to leave it behind because we've said our piece and we know, they know that we we yes, don't like that Secret Wars isn't over yet. But we need to l- look at these books for themselves and not where they how they exist and like. The meta context when when we gotcha. when we when we review them. Um, let's talk about the book that has no meta context. I hate <laughs> Fairyland. I hate Fairyland. Number one, <laughs> Image Comics, Scotty Young on uh, story and art, and Jean Francois Bellieu mm-hmm. on colors. Or as your book says, fuck Fairyland. Yeah. Fuck Fairyland. I got the nice little uh, variant cover here. Did that with... come in a bag or something? No, it didn't. It was actually behind the counter. Wow. Oh. And uh, dude was like, do you want this one? I was like, <laughs> sure. Why not? Um, okay, so the deal is Gertrude is a little girl, and she's having tea, and she's playing with her stuffed animals, and she's having a good time. And She decides that she's going to make an innocent wish and say, I wish that I could live in a land where, you know, all of my stuffed animals are my friends, and, you know, every meal was candy and all these things. And it happens to be Gertrude's unlucky day because they decide, the powers that be, from Fairyland to grant her wish and pull her into a real-life Fairyland. Now, it's a classic setup for for, for a book, for a fantasy book. I mean, you've heard that scenario mm-hmm. yeah. a thousand times. The hook of this is that immediately after the wish comes true, Gertrude wishes from the very start that she had not made it. Because she's falling, and she's falling like Alice in Wonderland uh-huh. style through, you know, a rabbit yeah. hole of sorts, or a portal of sorts. And she's, it's very, very high velocity that she's falling, and she's falling faster and faster and faster and faster. And the entire time that she's falling down this hole, she's just screaming, I'm going to die. <laughs> what is going on? Yeah. I'm going to die. And she lands, and when she lands, she like all but breaks her neck, her teeth are shattered, everything. <laughs> she's having a bad time. So, like, fairy godmother and all of her friends and the sun and, you know, the gumdrop king and everybody, they're all there. And they're like, you know, hey, welcome to fairyland. And she's like, I want to go home. I really want to go home. I, I don't want to be here. And they're like, oh, well, you can go home. But, um, you know, we don't really know where the exit is, but we have this map. And it's this, like, ridiculously long scrolling piece of parchment <laughs> And it's essentially a story of it, it fast forwards to 27 years later. And because it's a fantasy land, Gertrude never grew up uh-huh. physically, but mentally, she's been there for 27 years and she has yeah. had it with Fairyland from day one. So we join her 27 years into her searching for the exit to this place. And she is not happy about anything. Uh, we find out that the moon is the one that's narrating her story and she's sick and tired of hearing herself being talked about. 
So she pulls out a cannon and places it underneath the moon's chin and just blows his brains out (coughs) and then opens fire on the sky. And it's just, it's this absolutely hysterical scenario where you have this absolutely just gorgeously illustrated, you know, Candyland world. I mean, this is, this is Scotty Young, like doing what he does, but having the, like you've seen all of his baby Avengers and X-Men characters. This is him just creating creatures, like almost as if he was designing something for Monsters Inc. 3 or something like that. And the expressiveness in these characters, there's also like a Jiminy Cricket kind of character that follows her around. And um, it just goes from from bad to worse. All the curse words are replaced by like cutesy words, like fluff instead of a link to your imagination. This this panel with the stars getting it. And the important thing to remember about the whole fairy fairy tale world or fairyland is that everything that's there is alive Mm because it's fantasy. So when she's using like this giant helicopter gun that shoots cannonballs, the cannonballs are alive. They're kind of like the bullets from uh, the gun in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And um, I just thought it was absolutely positively hysterical. Every page had me laughing. Um, I love Scotty Young. I know some people get tired of his stuff. I, I, I never do. I find it ridiculously charming. She eats a bunch of mushroom people at one point, and if you eat too many mushrooms, <laughs> things true. happen. Yeah, and um, it's just it's it's creative. It's fun to it's fun to see this kind of scenario that I've read growing up a thousand times. You see all the time in in major media and otherwise, and turning it on its head and and taking this you know lovely little girl with her little curls and her little Shirley Temple stuff and whatever. And she's been there for too long and she's had it and she hates everybody. And I've just, I've never seen anybody give like a big middle finger to Fairyland before. (laughs) And I'm kind of enjoying the perspective. So if you're in the mood for something like that, you should definitely check out I Hate Fairyland. I didn't know, I didn't get my hopes up for this because for some reason, and other people too I've seen on the internet, I don't know if I'm following the wrong people, but it's always become like, kind of cool to not like Scotty Young's mm. stuff anymore and I disagree. <laughs> Good for you. I disagree wholeheartedly. I love his style. I think it's hysterical and like I said the the expressiveness of the characters completely sells the humor of mm. this book. If it was just violence for the sake of violence, mm. I wouldn't care for it but the context and the scenario that has been painted for you and just the like everybody in this world that she's walking around in is innocent, but they're annoying because they're always happy and they're always cutesy. And when you don't want happy or cutesy, you can become very ornery mm-hmm. real quick. Now imagine having to live in that for 27 years and you just want to get out. So you'll just, you'll, you'll kill the whole sky <laughs> to do it. So it's awesome. Is this a mini or going to be an ongoing? I think it's an ongoing. There's, yeah. There's no, so uh, there's plenty of room. I mean, she's been yeah. doing this for 27 years. We could do this for a few arcs. Uh, so many characters, so many characters to uh, to enjoy. And uh, there's a cool little story about how the whole thing came to be. And this has been something that Scotty Young's been working on for a really long time, like even before he started doing the the baby covers and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So this is, you know, his his baby, so to speak. That's finally out, number one, and he's really proud of it. And I think people should check it out because it is a laugh. Cool. Mm. 
Awesome. And that's my favorite book of the week. All right. I Hate Fairyland. Yes, I Hate Fairyland. Number one, (laughs) Image Comics, Scotty Young and Jean-Francois Bellew. Mm -hmm. Are there more covers than that one? There is. There yeah. is a cover where uh, she's not you, giving you yeah, two. Okay. 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 Yeah, yeah. Right. There's a regular cover so, with her with a giant battle axe yeah, okay. surrounded by a bunch of the fairyland denizens. Yeah. Um, so you don't have to ask behind the counter for all of them. No. That's good. I thought Just in case. It's hysterical. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> yeah. Man in the moon. Uh, I love it. Did you read Batman, by the way? I did. What'd you think? I... With me? Um, let me... Hold on a minute. Let me look at it. I like it. I love first of all the the colors yeah, yeah. in Batman. Mm-hmm. Ever since they decided to it was like two arcs ago where it started to get really super colorful. This book visually is just a, a real treat. I love all the sciencey stuff mm-hmm. uh toward the end. I am liking where we're at, but there I thought the the Bruce Wayne stuff in this one was a little odd. Oh, I love the Bruce Wayne stuff. It's really? my favorite part. Yeah. <sighs> I'm really enjoying the Gordon stuff. I don't know that I'm digging the whole Batman is dead in my mind thing. Um, and I thought what he ended – I don't want to spoil anything, but mm. he, he's in possession of certain things. And what he decides to do with those things yeah. by the end I thought was resourceful but almost like really kind of dark. And I was like – is that really what well, he turns the <clears throat> stuff that's been bad and that's been that was souvenir? He turned the he turns the souvenirs of his crime fighting stuff into something good. Yes, yeah. I I understand that yeah. entirely. I just given given the context of what those things represented at a time, to think that they like wouldn't be haunted mm-hmm. by the actions of of the people that are responsible for him even having them. Uh, I just thought it was an interesting kind of cap to that Mm -hmm. that arc throughout the issue um i really the one thing that's really keeping me um aside from the the very you know interesting direction that they've taken the character i love 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 the bloom villain oh yeah he's awesome i love the look i kind of want to know who it is Mm -hmm. i want to know if it's somebody we already know or if it's a completely new player but i find the whole like power seeds thing, and I loved. I also loved the the tie-ins to uh, We Are Robin. Yeah, We Are Robin. Yeah. That were that mm-hmm. were in this that I thought were really cool. That if that's going to be something that's more accepted within like the mainline mm-hmm. Batman thing, if we're going to start to see, like we could even have a Black Robin mm-hmm. at one point, which would be awesome. And um, I liked seeing that leak in because the last two issues of We Are Robin I thought were stellar. Mm-hmm. Like where the first two were like decent and like where are we going? Three and four I thought were fantastic. Right. So I went from like, oh, check this out to like when's the next issue of that coming mm-hmm. out? So seeing that leak into this um, was very, very cool. Um, I think it's an, they're setting up an interesting – kind of relationship with Gordon and the suit itself mm-hmm. and its capabilities. And I just don't understand where his superior, I don't know where her mind's going. I feel like she's being very foolish. Well, she's like corporate, very corporate. Yeah. Doesn't want, like she has a very specific idea of what she wants this Batman to be. You know, she had no control. They, they had no one had any control over the previous Batman. Right. So she wants to make sure that the Batman they're having now is, is in a certain image. does a certain thing. 
And to her, Batman is a brand. It's not a person. So mm-hmm. they picked Jim because Jim knew Batman. He had the morals to uphold the kind of Batman Batman's way about him. Um, but he was a police officer. And so I think she believed that he would toe the line. Um, but that's obviously not the case. Yeah, like, that went south quick. Yeah, yeah. And so when he's out mm-hmm. there doing the thing, Jim's going to do the right thing. And he doesn't care if it's, if it's, if it's the thing that he was ordered to do or not. Um, and so... The, the big the big crux of this issue, right, and this is not spoiling anything, is that Jim does something that he's not supposed to do, and so he has to deal with the repercussions, sort of employment-wise, of, of, of what's going on. And there's some very interesting conversations, and that whole way, the whole way that conversation is is shown, where, like, she's taking him into, like, the, you know, like, the exhibit and all, all mm-hmm. that stuff, is... The difference is, like you said, you mentioned the colors. The difference between like the battle and then going into that moment, it's all like blues and blacks. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden you're in these purples and, and, and oranges and in, in the battle scenes, I thought it was just really great. And, and the mood is, is like mm-hmm. fantastic in it. Um, and I love the way, I love the, I love the image of Gordon's Batman. I love like that cover image, like yeah. him in the suit outside of the mech. Like mm-hmm. I, I think is really interesting and cool. I like the way the, the suit is, is made. Yeah. Um, and I love that he calls the suit rookie. Yeah. See, it's funny for me. Like in the past, every issue that of of Batman that was coming out, I was kind of, you know, evaluating it and reviewing mm-hmm. it in my mind and everything. But with the Gordon stuff, I've been more interested in the big picture mm-hmm. than the individual issues themselves. Um, I think, like I said, I like I really am enjoying the Bloom villain. But I've never, I've never actively been reading Batman when Batman has died. I mean, he's died a couple of times mm-hmm. in his history of being around, but I've never actually been like a month to month reader when he's died. So this is the first time I have no idea how long Gordon is going to be mm. Batman, you know, but I want to be there to see that, that whole, how that works out. I want to see how Batman inevitably comes back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think it's exciting mm-hmm. in a way to, to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I, like I'm enjoying the book overall that I haven't, I haven't really been picking it apart to pick apart a Batman issue for me is, is a tall order because <laughs> I really have, I've enjoyed it um, since the beginning. And I just want to say this one thing that's a very like small little bit of, it's an art <coughs> bit, but this, there's a, the last pan, the last page you see the villain, right? Bloom. Um, and he's facing down, right? So, and the light source is coming from above his head. So the front of his face is dark. And then when they do the close-up, you know, they keep the exact same lighting structure, which I think is a fascinating and really cool and really organic thing. And, and I think it's a detail that uh, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily notice in a lot of art before, but, you know, thinking about it in sort of a, as a camera, it, it's a very interesting and accurate way to portray it. And it, it's just one of those details that I think makes artists like Capullo so great is that attention to detail and that ability to you know, make things feel, although fantastical, give them a reality by the way that they're framed and the way that they're 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 built out. Well, he's always been very, very cinematic. Yes, it, they've been laid out in a way that just you're saying you can feel the choreography, you mm-hmm. can feel how the panels lay out and move into each other. Yeah, Steve's brain mm-hmm. page certainly uh, exemplifies that. Yeah, 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 uh, and you can say that the villain is great. I love the villain. He's so, he's so creepy, um, and and still mysterious. You don't really know. Like the powers are not totally on Front Street yet about what he can do, and he seems to kind of pull out sort of new stuff every time you see him. So uh, I'm fascinated to see where, where all this goes. Uh, I have yep. to ima- 
I guess it could be something totally new. I, you know, maybe it's too kind of generic to think about it. It's somebody from the past that's come back or something like that. I would lose my mind if somebody, I can't remember her name at the time, but um, the Phantasm from Mask of the Phantasm, mm-hmm. if out of nowhere, like that character turned out to be in the mm. comics. Well, I think, but I think if they did the fan, especially knowing Snyder mm-hmm. and his fandom for the original series, if they were going to do the Phantasm, he would do it as a Phantasm. I don't think he'd take that character and make him somebody else. I don't think so anyway. Or even if it was just like they were posing as somebody else and like the end of the arc is the reveal that the Phantasm is back and then like the next arc is a Phantasm. <laughs> I just want the Phantasm back in. Okay. It's my favorite Batman movie. I love that movie. Uh, Maybe you'll get her just before the end. Yeah. Lol. <laughs> no? Could be. I, maybe Could I don't be. know. I, how many? He, it's no ending yet. He hasn't said so. Yeah. That's. But the the ending is coming though. He, he I don't I don't think you're gonna get. I don't. I think this might be the last. Uh, this uh, this gym stuff. Whenever this ends, I think that's gonna be the end. Put the toys back in the box and yep. walk away. Ooh. All right, Bob. Okay. What do you got for us? Well, speaking of endings, I have Ms. Marvel 19, which is G. Will Wilson, Adrian Alfona. Ian Herring on colors, and Joe Caramanga on letters. This is the finale of what they're describing as season one of Ms. Marvel, and it comes at the end of the last day storyline, and frankly, it's everything I wanted this to be, and even more. Uh, G. Willow Wilson, Adrian Alfana, sort of transcended the boundaries of what a tie-in issue could be. The, the, the way this story arc has come about, it truly explores what the ending of this Marvel universe would be by keeping it grounded in that human framework. It's this is an issue that is positively thrilling, and Kamala does not wear the outfit in one interior panel. Hmm. And it, it, it just doesn't even matter because you're on an emotional roller coaster ride as she tries to touch base with. I'm not going to spoil anything because I know people are still playing catch up with the three. The last issue ended in a really special place. Hmm. And that plays into it. And now we get to other friends and schoolmates, and Jersey City's falling apart. And she describes the high school that they go to that where she set up the rescue center where all these people and they're yelling about the zombie apocalypse and it's terrorists and all this other sort of stuff going on as the house that, you know, Ms. Marvel built because she's brought all these people to safety here. It is touching as she starts to really process what it was that Carol Danvers said to her in her last meeting that there's an ending coming. It may be the end end. And so I, I, like I was smiling, laughing, crying, all of it in combination at some <laughs> point. And you get to the last page of this, and it is so simple and touching and wonderfully beautiful. And it's everything this series has been about for mm-hmm. all 19 issues of it. Uh, just kudos to everyone on the creative team and looking forward to where this goes next. So mm-hmm. that's Ms. Marvel 19. One of the things that I've experienced with um, the whole Secret Wars thing is these last days issues or tie-ins that, that they've had. The endings of them, the majority, the ones that I've read have been very, very solid mm-hmm. and very, all of them touching in some way. The last days of Magneto was like that. And then again with uh, with Ms. Marvel and uh, yeah, I, I read it too. I, I thought it was beautiful. Really, really enjoyed it. And I really, I had almost forgotten that the last issue made me tear up. Yeah. 
And I opened this one, and I was like, "All right, here like, we go again." That's where we left off. <laughs> Jesus, like I, I remember saying to myself, "Like, oh, I want the next panels of this. I want to see how this plays out." And then I opened this, and I was like, "Oh God, I'm not ready." <laughs> <laughs> Give me a little time to process. Yeah, <laughs> not really a superior issue. All right, awesome, awesome. All right, now my book of the week is we talked about a couple more books that didn't impress us uh, a, a ton. Mm. But there was one that really did impress me a lot, and that was Sam Wilson, Captain America, number one. Um, I read, I think, the first issue of of all new Captain America um, with Rick Remender still on uh, on writing duties, and um, Stuart Immonen was was doing the art for it. And I enjoyed it, but I had so many books in my pull list, and 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 I didn't, it just didn't have a place for me. One of the good things about all of this relaunch stuff happening is that I, I'm kind of reevaluating every single book that's on my pull list now. And so I'm trying out books that I maybe would have tried out before, but like I said before, would have kind of got squeezed out because there was so much other stuff already there. Now I'm kind of rebuilding it. So now a book that I might have got squeezed out before might cement itself as something that I want to keep. And if 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 the the quality of the first issue can be kept up. I think Sam Wilson, Captain America number one will be one of those things. Um, Nick Spencer is the writer on this and the artist is Daniel Acuna. Uh, uh, letterer is uh, Joe Carmanga. And so I will say right off the bat, Daniel Acuna did the last, I think uh, 10 issues of uncanny Avengers. I think a recommender, maybe a little bit more. Um, gorgeous, gorgeous work, amazing work. And, it, and it's continued here. But in a very different way, because in that book, obviously, there was a lot of crazy, fantastical elements going on. There was other Earths. There was all this. And this were a much more sort of grounded, Earth-bound story with a lot more just basic human interaction and not as much action. There is action in the book. Uh, And throughout it, it's just I I just love the way he draws Sam. Um, I love the way the the other characters are drawn i love the action as well and i just think there's sort of a grandness to the way he paints and the, and the way he draws that just is fantastic to me um you know this book is making again i i i, told, I talked about this bob i think on sunday morning i <coughs> we, we had our little phone conversation mm-hmm. before we shot and uh i i think that and, and this is before this kind of broke out but this book has now been the subject of of some controversy in quotes it was featured on fox and friends oh boy uh, as it being an attack yep. on america um and the captain america is un-american what mm-hmm. i did not hear any of this yes yes this has happened so uh but i i, I didn't pick this book because of that. i picked this book bef- before any of that that hubbub happened but the book much like we i talked about when we when we did um uh Bat- that Batman issue, which was the flashback issue with Azarello co-writing with Snyder, with Jock on art, um, and, and the Nick Fury issue, the Fury issue, this deals heavily with the with sort of the uh, politics of, of our time and what it is to be uh, someone who is is black in America. Now it's written by someone who's not black, so I don't know, you know, there. Mm. I, I, and I and I am also not black, so my, my judgment of that that experience might be a little bit off. But the fact that this is addressing those issues and addressing them head on, and having a character who's Captain America who is disagreeing sort of with the overall policy of America, I think is a really interesting and to me important thing to have happen uh you know we, we've talked in the past about um the uh Inglehart captain yep. america stuff where that's a very much character came into play where for the first time cap was at odds with 
sort of what Amer- what the, what the, the politics of America are. Yeah, not, not America the not ideal. Not America the right. ideal, but America what, what the politics of America were. And that's very much what this story I- uh-huh. is doing. Um, so that's sort of like, you know, kind of the meta context of what's happening in the story. And But what that leads to in the story is that Sam is kind of, with the powers that be with S.H.I.E.L.D., is not in, in their good graces anymore. He's kind of um, an outcast. He's sort of, sort of not on the run, but being sort of persecuted by the by the U.S. government at, at this point because of of these public statements that he made, and you know he's more in the limelight than sort of he's ever been before. And now he also is having to deal with the fact that because he doesn't work for Shield anymore, and he doesn't have sort of Avengers connections as much, or the Avengers don't have the money they used to have, that he can't just go. I need a private jet to Arizona to yeah. go on this mission. He has to like fly coach to Arizona. Uh, and, and those kind of dichotomies are very interesting to me. Uh, it deals with some of his overall like group of characters right now. We, Misty Knight is, is a character in the book. Um, sort of, they're sort of on the same team. They sort of have a team together. Um, his Sam Wilson's brother is, is a character in the book. He's like a, a reverend or a preacher. Um, and, and so that's a character in the book. And then, the book mainly is a, 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 a kind of running with crossbones and then a running with Maria Hill and Shield, and what it heavily sort of heavily sort of insane sort of is this is the is the schism between Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson that has happened kind of off the page, and we're not we're not supposed to know what happened yet, but there is obviously some sort of divide between between the two of them, and it's addressed in, in interesting ways because it's not. Um, Sam doesn't seem angry, you know. He seems more sad and wistful that they have this this crack between them, and it makes me very curious to see what happened. Um, much like we saw in, uh, it was the all new, all different Avengers preview, right? Someone was going to say Steve Rogers' name, and I was like, don't yep. don't say that name. And, and here, that's what happens with Maria Hill. Maria Hill's like, I swear to God, if you say that name, like I'm going to throw you off this air- aircraft carrier. <laughs> so that so some something something is up. We don't know what's up yet, um, but I find it. I was really kind of blown away, and maybe this is again and expectations versus reality thing i didn't really have expectations for the issue i was like this i'll read this because i I like you know i like sam wilson i want to see what they do with him in the new universe now that we sort of rebooted and he's just captain america and that's we're starting from scratch with him as captain america i want to see what that's like and i really really loved this issue uh quite a bit sounds fascinating yeah yeah it's definitely a fascinating issue i i I think i think everybody should read it you know whether or not you end up picking up the series monthly or not that's that's one thing but um, it, it's a very interesting uh, issue, and it, I mean, it deals with immigration. It deals it deals with some deep political stuff in, in you know very very superhero way. It's not it's not like spending long pages right. debating, but you know the uh, the sons of the serpent are are a main kind of villain in there, right. and, and over the you know their history, they've been sort of used as sort of these mm-hmm. you know touchstones for these like white supremacy groups right. and well, the substitute clan. Yeah, exactly, ways, yeah. exactly. So uh, it's. It's really interesting. I'm Trump, uh, Trump supporters of the Marvel world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's not go that far. All right, no, I'm just making that's it. that's that's going a little bit too far. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it, and it deals with like it deals with the internet and the way the internet deals with things and all this kind of stuff and reactions to thing and how we react without thinking, all this kind of stuff. It's a very very interesting book, really well written by Nick Spencer. You know. Nick Spencer, I had come to think that the only way he could write engaging superhero stories, not engaging stories overall, but engaging superhero stories, was to do sort of that funny thing, right? Because he did it to such great success in Superior Foes and in Ant-Man. But here, it's much... I mean, there's humor here, but it's much more 
um, you know, buttoned down as far as as far as its its tone. But interesting in other ways, you know. He, he, I think he brought that himself to it in other ways, other than the humor, and it, it, I think it works really, really well. Yeah, awesome. So that is Sam Wilson, Captain America, number one. Neither of you read it, right? No, but it sounds awesome. Yeah, and I art, am intrigued. The art is really, really great, and it, it hints towards uh, all new, all different Avengers, which he is on. But obviously, we haven't gotten that issue yet. So. Awesome. I'll grab that on Wednesday. Yeah, very, very good. All right. Excellent. So that's it for our books of the week. Let's talk about our shared book of the week. Steve, you assigned Switch. I did. Top cow and image. It's true. Uh, you can say you can say the uh, the creator's name. I will, but before I do, I actually want to just put a, a little disclaimer out there. Um, I do not pretend to know very much about the Top Cow universe. So if I mention things that are already established, I don't know. So I don't think any of us really do. Everyone's judging me, Bobby. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. St- uh, I had this in my head. I said it like five times before you asked me to say it. <laughs> Stepan Sejish. Is that right? That's good enough. All right. Stepan Sejish. Pass. One of these days, have him on the show, yes. and he well, can tell us himself. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll just record it and just keep dubbing yeah, it in t- when we say time, it. Every yeah. time, just play it. Just hit play and it'll, it'll <laughs> go in and be like, there you go. Um, so this is a uh, a rather dense number one for uh, what seems to be, in my estimation, again, I could be wrong, is kind of a marriage of two different franchises and or characters, that being the Witchblade uh, universe mixed with the Darkness universe. Those are both mm-hmm. top cow books. Is, yes, they are. Is that a fair? Yeah, yeah, we yeah, all got right. that? Yes. I, yes. I have a feeling that we'll see more at, at some point. I have that feeling. All right. So as it turns out, is um, I remember his name. He was, a, he was a mafia guy from the Darkness, right? Never read the Darkness. Okay. I only played the video game. Yeah. Well, what's that dude's name? What's the, the guy <coughs> who's the Darkness in this? Um, They're the same names, I think. Uh, I, I think. There's a lot of dialogue in this. You're going to make me look for this dude's name. Uh, I can look it up. Keep talking. Tony Estacado. Estacado. Yay. Yes, Yes, Estacado. All right. So um, the game is very good, by the way. It is. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. It's very cool. Yeah. So um, what I gathered from this book is you have kind of this war between uh, the darkness and the angels. And it's, it's stirring up again. It's coming to a head. And uh, a lot of it, they're they're getting ready to move out and it hinges on everybody just kind of playing it cool and letting them, you know, dominate and wreak havoc over the world and everything will be fine. But everything is not fine because uh, kind of a, something was set into place like millennia ago that the ancestors of these two opposing forces, their progeny would, the, the outcome of this war would hinder on not only their existence, but their participation in this war. And just as, you know, the big bad is getting ready to roll out, they say, we need this one final piece. We need the Witchblade. Uh, While it's in transport, it goes, it it gets into the wrong hands or the right hands, as it would (laughs) be, as a uh, high school girl named Mary uh, is basically kind of a school outcast and she has a childhood friend who she grew up with. They're kind of estranged now. They grew into different people and they've drifted. But what she doesn't know is that all his life he has been tied 
to this darkness and has kind of been secretly raised to be the herald or, or the bringer of this war. And now it's going to be the two of them versus each other. So angels versus darkness uh, kind of thing. And you have Tony looking to uh, reluctantly, seems reluctant to me anyway, having to kind of play this role that he doesn't want to play. And there are all these other major uh, players and what would feel like uh, almost like gods, mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. say. Um, I mean, that's that's the majority of what it's about. Anybody want to throw me a line here? Because I'm dying. I mean, I don't. You, you, you summed up pretty well. I, I think you're absolutely right. It definitely has that sort of very classic good versus evil. But in this story, you're not really sure which one, which side is. Yeah. The better side, you know, they mm-hmm. both seem like they're. It, it's it's more in that fashion of both the angels and the demons being sort of not characters on either side you ever want to meet. You know, the angels aren't these people with halos that sort of float around. They're these like fierce warriors who they have very hard line morality. And if you do one thing, they're going to put a spear through your heart. You know, that's sort of what the deal is with that. So it reminded me a lot of being in video games for a second, like the Bayonetta, like sort of yeah. stuff. Um, and again, I'm coming to this from not knowing anything about Top Cow. I, all I know about... All I know about it, the darkness is from that video game, and really, I know nothing else. Right. Um, so, I came at the same angle that you did, Steve, and I found that stuff to be confusing. Yeah. Very confusing. I I I I think when I finished reading this book, that was probably the number one word that was in my brain was confused. Mm-hmm. But it's confusing in a a good way. Yes. To me, right? Which is that. Once I got over that sort of like pit in my stomach where I was like, I don't understand, I'm bouncing, I don't understand what's going on. I should understand this, I should understand this, and I'm not understanding it. Once I sort of got past that and could just kind of think about the story and think about what was going on, I found it to be uh, sort of fascinating and alluring and, and something that I wanted to know about. But mm-hmm. in the moment, it was very tough for me reading it because I felt very lost. Well, that's kind of how I felt when I was reading Ninth Generation Mm -hmm. uh, two weeks ago. But I had the same experience with that that I did with this where, you know, I did read the Ninth Generation thing. The Witchblade is in that Mm -hmm. as well. Um, Not the darkness, but definitely the Witchblade. And I'm starting to starting to notice kind of like how like I'm dabbling in the Valiant universe and starting to see the connectivity between that stuff. I'm starting to through... uh, I hate saying his name because I feel like I'm going to screw it up every time. <laughs> Shapans, damn it. Mr. S. Mr. S's work. Thank you, Bob. Thank you so much. <laughs> Mr. S. <laughs> Shop smart. Shop <laughs> Stevan Sejish. Um, I like his art and the, the expressiveness of his characters. And Bob was saying when we were reading Sunstone, I don't know that I've ever seen faces drawn the way that he does emotions drawn the way that he does and that is connecting me to to characters that i don't know from at all and so one of the things that i i liked about this and the same thing i experienced with ninth generation as much as i don't know the world i'm intrigued by the little bits and pieces that they're feeding me through these different characters and it seems like between ninth generation and this that they're trying to do like a soft introduction or not a reboot, but they're, they seem to be releasing things that are allowing people to come into their universe mm-hmm. and their world that they've created. I mean, I've got that giant 
Aphrodite omnibus thing that I bought at Comic-Con, apparently that's going to set me up for like everything. Okay. So I just need to lock myself in a room and read that <laughs> uh, maybe for next week. But um, I like the personalities of the characters. I like the kind of veering off into things that we know nothing about. The this, this stuff with Tony in particular, there's this whole scene of like good versus evil happening inside of his bedroom. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, what is happening right now? Who are you people? Right. Who's his bodyguard? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like you spend a couple of panels with them and you find out who he's supposed to be, that he's the offspring of like daddy darkness or whatever that I piece, I pieced it together. Like, okay, so these are supposed to be like, this is the shadow organization. These are the bad guys. And this is, you know, the villain's kid Who's like, hey man, you know, like I just want to go to college and and you mm -hmm. know hang out with my friends and and I've got this thing that when I turn twenty one that I have to ascend to this you know shadow lord thing and I don't really want to do that. And now you have somebody who is was a part of his growing up is now going to be opposing him. That it might it might spark some kind of a, like a deep like deeper rooted conflict, mm -hmm. and he could become maybe even spiteful in her position and say, well, you know, you, you don't even, you haven't spoken to me in years and here you are trying to put me down. Maybe I will try to, you know, to, to give you what for or whatever mm -hmm. and uh, assume his uh, rightful position as whomever. I would like him yeah. to say, I'm going to give you the what for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then have demon arms come out of his back. Yes. <laughs> uh, Four arms and... <laughs> yeah. I, the darkness yeah. creatures are cool. They are cool. They're very yeah. cool. And, uh, m my sense of this, though, is that it's going to be more of like, a, he's supposed to be bad, but he's going to be good. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's the sense. Like It's like that spawn, the spawn type of thing, right? Where he's supposed to be, or ghost rider or whatever, that I'm supposed to be this demon that, that kills people, but I'm going to use my power for good as much as I possibly can. Well, I think it's a really neat set of parallels in setting up these conflicts where the angels and the darkness are more like the Greek gods. They're kind of ambivalent. They want to do what they want to do, and if yes. we get in the way, who cares? Mm -hmm. And they'll just wreck stuff. But as that sort of filters down to their human avatars... They're in that same sort of conflicted what's going on sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So the, And then there's the other layer of you've got this sort of, I mean, I, having just mentioned Ms. Marvel, there's a little bit of a Ms. Marvel vibe going on yeah. with Mary's character and her brother and her mom and all these things going on. So you're getting a slice of life thing that is such a divergence from the storyline being told mm -hmm. that you, you have those opposing forces at each other too. I think it's a real nice setup. Yeah, I, I, and I will say too. Um, I, I'm looking at this one panel where this like darkness demon thing is like tiny wreck an armored car. Yeah, yeah. which was very cool. Um, I, I think that I, again, I might just be reading into this because I haven't read Top Cow stuff, and I know this is sort of like doing Top Cow stuff. I did feel like this book probably would have been a real treat for someone who knew the universe because you can feel like little bits where the they like, connective say, tissue. They yep. like say a name, and like they it kind of feels like they're presenting the name to you, and I'm. That's just a name. You know, that's kind of how I feel about that stuff. Like someone who was reading a, a Marvel or DC book who wasn't into the whole yeah. universe, and like you know, Cascade pops up, and it's like, okay, Estacado's yeah. <laughs> son. Yeah, yeah. Who was that? Da, da, da. So, yeah. Yeah. so there was definitely the, 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 those moments for me. But what I did love, like I said before, the fact that yeah, she gets this witchblade thing, and you're like, okay, so she got it. That's good because the bad guys wanted it, but the. The good guys don't. The good guys, I'm mean, using quotes. Yeah. Don't seem very good. Like they, no. like they seem pretty 
fucking awful too. So I, I'm <laughs> so I, I think there's also going to be some weird pressure pressures and mm-hmm. stress on her because this isn't like okay now I'm like. I've got the the gauntlet of good, and, and I'm going to be able to do all this good stuff I want to do. There's going to be things that they want them to do. She wants her to do as well. Um, and again, see, as we talk about it more, I get more excited about reading more of it because mm-hmm. sitting in my room reading it to myself, I, I wasn't as excited, you know, going going through it. Um, I will say, dude, there's this first opening page where they show all these witchblades over all like time yeah. or whatever, and the one at the bottom middle, which has like the <laughs> Indiana Jones hat on. I want to see a story all about that character. Yeah. Just from the design. It's such a cool ass design of that character. Um, and I, I, I was intrigued by Batwoman. By Batwoman. Here. <laughs> I think it's more like an Anubis mask, right? That's what I think. Yeah. It's like ancient Egypt, I think. That's what it looks like to me. But And there's one with like the. Who looks like. She's like an elven staff as well with the blade. And there's like a Thor as well. I like that a lot of um, even the support characters have like fleshed out personalities. Mm-hmm that you know kind of who they are right away. Mm-hmm. Um, again, to to keep making comparisons, because it is within that universe, but in the, the ninth generation thing, like, and it, it's the same in here, that the book presents you with a lot of anti-heroes, mm-hmm. and that, that kind of skirt between that, you know, are they good, are they evil? I, I don't think that they want to kill the world, but they're certainly going through a lot of people to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. And and the the whole um, again, this won't spoil anything because I'm just going to say a name, but the the Una stuff. Yeah, very much reminds me of Buffy the Vampire Slayer an incredible amount. Like the, there's a specific the, her role in this is very is very much like um, the the end of season four of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in in a lot of ways. Um, kind of her role. It, it's some interesting stuff going on here. Uh, Bob, you didn't really get a chance to really really talk about it yep. too much. So what, what, <coughs> dive in. I knew the bare bones about mm-hmm. Witchblade. You know, it came out in the nineties, and mm-hmm. Michael Turner and he did Fathom. I, th- I don't know if he did. He do the Darkness. I don't know actually. I don't remember. I don't know. Uh, that might have been Mark Silvestri. Mm-hmm. Not anyway. Doesn't really matter. But I think this presenting it this way by taking it out of the the, the sexually charged art of that period, bringing it to this, which just so beautiful. Somewhere along the line, can we give Mr. Shea Thor to do? Because they're I, oh, I, be a pretty, pretty special looking book. I, I agree with you. I don't want Russell Dowderman to ever not draw oh, Thor. Oh, no, no, no. No, but there could be another Thor <laughs> okay, book. There could right, be other okay. Tales, okay. Of, Tales of Asgard. I'm with you then. Okay. Tales of Asgard. I'm with you. I'm with you. That would go for that. And just everyone's saying, you, you get layered characters who are, the human ones are very human. Mm-hmm. They act like people you know. They're snarky with each other here and there and loving and supportive when need be, and brothers and sisters act like them. So you're instantly drawn in to the human element of it, and the otherworldly is so otherworldly and so dense, it's you want to keep exploring. Where's this going to go? What's going to happen to this character? Why are they like this? And we're, we're going we're gonna to find out, I'm sure, but in the meantime, the journey is what it's about, and we, mm-hmm. there's a killer cliffhanger. It's got yes, me yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. yes there is. Uh it reminds me a little bit of uh the last airbender mm. in a way of of the 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 idea of like the avatar state and the um like all the what do you call it ancestors how she's kind of channeling all the the different witch blades through time mm-hmm. that it's it's being like it's been dormant for so mm-hmm. long and now it's finally come time for another one and it's this like just plucking this this chosen girl who has no idea that she's fallen into this stuff and throwing it away, very much like Kamala Khan's yes. character. 
uh, having all this responsibility and all this history tied to this identity that she now owns and and knowing next to nothing about it. At least Kamala had, you know, the foreknowledge of... Yeah, yeah. as a fan fiction writer, she had everything in hand. Now there's no knowledge. Yeah. And it, and it's it's like if instead of if Kamal had got taken in by Maximus instead of getting taken in by yeah. you know Medusa, mm-hmm. so the darkness. I'm gonna read the Wikipedia. Okay, the, right. just the first paragraphs. The Darkness is an American comic book series published by Top Cow Productions. The series was created by Mark Silvestri, Garth Innes, and David Wall. The huh? Darkness is the story of mafia hitman Jackie Estacado, oh, who on his twenty first birthday became bearer of the darkness, an elemental force that allows access to an otherworldly dimension and control over the demons who dwell there. So that's that one. And then Witchblade <coughs> is the comic book series published by Top Cow Productions, an imprint of Image Comics from 1995 mm-hmm. until present. The series was created by Top Cow editors Mark Silvestri, David Wall, and writers Brian mm-hmm. Helberlin and Christina Z, and the artist Michael Turner. Um, the series follows Sarah Pazzini, an NYPD homicide detective who comes in possession of the Witchblade, a supernatural sentient artifact in the form of a gauntlet which bonds with a female host and prov- provides them with a variety of powers in order to fight supernatural evil. All right. Huh? So I think the the fact that it has a it's sentient is something important as well because I did not I didn't know realize that, that it has a mind of its own. Oh, so that that's something. Um, it's sort of like <coughs> the octopus arms and uh, Spider Man yeah. too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tendrils. Yeah. So yeah, that, that stuff is all v- very interesting. Um, and the art is of course gorgeous. Uh, the the colors yeah. are fantastic. The character designs are all very very unique. Um, you know, you don't you don't really get confused when who's to who. Um, you know, I, I I will say I think this you're actually on the pages right now, which yeah. is sort of like the middle matter, which is sort of a little of the history. That was the one place where I started to feel a little bit bogged down by what was going on. Mm-hmm. It was just a lot of places to go at, at one time. And again, someone who for someone who has sort of the knowledge of those stories already, it might be like, oh, this is just like a, just a reinterpretation of yeah. of what I've already seen. But for me, I was like, okay, we're back in time now. We're with this character, and this is this character, and they're like they're they're very very old. So this is his father, but it's like you know like explorer times, yeah. and, and and so it, uh, that was it was a lot to handle. Right. At and one this time. guy who's still around, yes. hundreds and hundreds of years later, it took me a second to get exactly. And so that was the one part of the book where I did start to feel like the the, the sink, like the drag of the book. Everything else, though, and the overall direction of the book, I think, is very interesting. Um, and and so I'm excited to see to, to see where it goes. Now, why exactly is it just called Switch? Because they're switching the identity of the Witchblade. Is that what it is? Yeah. Well, it's also witch, so it's a yeah, switch it's... on a witch. It's a it's a pun. Is it, I, I really is it don't really, know. Bob? I don't. We know. all know how much Bobby likes puns. Yes. yes. <laughs> I thought Bob had some inside knowledge about no. Switch. <laughs> I was actually thinking about that on the way here, and uh, I'm I'm to assume because yeah, it's just changing changing of the guard. I mean, it is it is a Witchblade comic, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The new Top Cow series gives nod to the classic Witchblade universe, but welcomes surprise crossover characters, and its heart explores the story of a teen girl trying to understand her mysterious new powers. Um. Switching it up. Switching it yep. up. There you go. <laughs> there, I mean, it is it. a switch to a new Witchblade, I guess. She's not the same, obviously not the same yeah. character. It's but, You know what it is? It's just, it's such an obvious title mm-hmm. that we're, I think we're trying to pick it apart yeah, a little bit too probably. much. She's like, what are we going to call it? Like, no, oh, we'll switch things up. There you go. <laughs> Maybe you have to hold it upside down. Maybe. It's interesting. It's sort of like a, a ballsy name, too, because yeah. it doesn't say Witchblade anywhere on it. And so people who know Witchblade might not 
yeah. you know, to pick it up. So that's, that's interesting. Thing and about. depending on what cover you get, the regular cover does show, this so you could sort of get it, but blade, yeah. the other covers didn't. No. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this: like I before this year, uh, like I dismissed a lot of like the the Witchblade and stuff like that. But ever since uh, reading the Ninth Generation and getting into uh, Mister S's mm-hmm. work, I uh, I'm I'm wholly intrigued by it. You know, if 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 we go through our things at the end of the year, as far as like growth for mm-hmm. this year it's definitely i have a ton of valiant books mm-hmm. in me my too. collection yeah, now me too. i just picked up i haven't read it yet but i picked up imperium okay yeah volume one and um i mean the top cow stuff is now making it into my pile and uh it's been a good year for exploring mm-hmm. with a couple of things especially with the my departure from marvel for about three months mm-hmm. was uh was a really good exploratory time for me yeah totally yeah um, so let's, we have some, we have some write-ins here. Oh, we're good. recording a day early, so we don't have as many as usual, but, um, we do have some. Uh, so this is, first of all, uh, Carol Cross thanked us for picking Switch. Oh, um, you're welcome, Carol. But, uh, Jack Assassin, who's at the Brad Pinder says, Switch is everything I wanted it to be. Great take on characters I ate up in the nineties. The artist hypnotic. I would read a book. Stepan Ste- Ste- drew, <laughs> uh, drew of my demise. Switch has all my money as long as it lasts. Oh, and Carol Cross came back and said, "Oh, and thank and to thank you for picking Switch. God, I loved it. Top Cow was my fave reads back in the day. Nice. Um, she's oh, I was gonna say Switch was great, top notch art, fun story that has me re loving the Top Cow properties I loved in the nineties. A plus. Um, she wrote it. She really loved this book. She wrote it again. Like <laughs> all his work, it's the small things that that might go unnoticed that are so gratifying. And Travis Beckwith says Switch was fantastic. Great art, along with an interesting story, while sporting a strong sense of fun. Definitely adding it to my pull. Um, this is definitely one of the most uh, I feel like interesting books that we we've talked about on this because it's one that is in a gateway to an entire universe which I really know nothing about. And most yeah. of it was either been DC or Marvel stuff, which obviously we do know about, or you know image books or dark horse books or IW books that are the beginnings of new series. Sure. So it's a different thing and it's a cool thing to talk about and to be excited about something that I don't know. And that, that's, I think that's a really cool thing. Amen. Well, the whole purpose of the shared book of the week is not only to have a group discussion, but to also, you know, pick stuff that will spark interesting discussions and kind of push Absolutely. our, our interests. Look at you. What? Like, <laughs> like, like, like Scooby-Doo team-up number that's 12. Right. Yeah, that's great. That was great, Steve. That was a per- perfect mission restatement. I love that. Um, that's awesome. great. Anyway, and next week, I'm I, here, obviously, it's not, our, it's not our book of the week, but we're going to be doing Death Vigil next <sighs> week. So it's another step on Shesh. More time to practice. So we'll say his week. name wrong for a whole nother week. <laughs> I'm going to tweet him and ask him to like spell it out uh, phonetically. <laughs> Just send it to me in those little brackets. Break yeah. it down. Well, that's why when I had to interview that uh, Adewale, now I forgot to say his name. Adewale, uh, you said it so many times. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. I know Agbaje is Agbaje the last is the last time. I don't remember. Adewale. Damn it. <laughs> oh, I can't remember the middle part. Um, I listen, really, literally listened to him teaching Regis and Kelly how to say his name. Oh, that'd be funny. It was a clip, and he just kept saying it over. And I, I, I took that clip and just looped it. Of him saying it, and so I just said it over and over and over yeah. and over again. Whereas you don't get a lot of people saying. I mean, I'm sure if I hunted down a bunch of comic book podcasts, I could probably find someone who was talking about him. But <laughs> oh, Adewale Akanoye Agbaje. Akanoye. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yes. I don't know how I forgot that. <laughs> 
So, yeah, but so we're going to do Death Vigil next week. It's $20 trade um, fr- from Image and Top Cow. It's huge. I mean, it, it's... Yeah, it's eight issues and some back matters, some yes. sketches, some cover stuff. And I've already read it. You have. And it is a real treat. You're, you're going to have to get your thoughts all together for, for next week. I had them all this week. <laughs> I'm good to go. You're ready. Uh, a week is a long time to forget all those things. <laughs> it is... Where where Sunstone is like save it for next week. We're gonna talk about it all next week. I gave you the chance to talk about it earlier. I said you can still talk about it. You're like no no no. I'll talk about something else. So you have to save it for next week. Moving on. (laughs) All right. So about what's gonna be our normal book of the week for next week? It's uh, there are some number ones on some regular sort of characters. Mm -hmm. There's a new Ant Man Mm -hmm. and a few other things that were oh maybe I don't know. So I'm gonna take a Vertigo book, the first one okay. I've ever assigned, and it is The Clean Room by Gail Simone. Yeah. Cool. And uh, here we go. It is the start of the first Vertigo series from fan favorite writer Gail Simone with 2080 artist John Davis Hunt. Estrid Muller is the enigmatic and compelling guru of a giant self-help organization, a devastatingly power fi- powerful figure in the industry between psychology and religion. Journalist Chloe Pierce's fiance decided to pick up Astrid's book, and within three months he was dead. Something in Astrid Muller's book made Philip blow his brains out all over Chloe's new kitchen. Now, Chloe's on a mission to find out who Astrid Mueller really is. What is this clean room she's been hearing about where your deepest fear and worst moments are revealed? Chloe intends to immerse herself in the clean room and wreak havoc on Astrid's empire. Dun, dun, dun. Awesome. Sounds layered and dense mm-hmm. and bizarre. Yes. And it's so, Gail, who we love. Right. So it's the clean room, number one from DC slash Vertigo. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so this seems to be... I mean, they, they announced stuff, I think... Uh, maybe it was at Comic-Con San Diego this year, but those books they announced seem to be coming out mm-hmm. at this point. You know, The Twilight Children. Uh, my God, I already forgot the name of the book that Steve talked about, the video game book by Lauren yes. Bukas. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Slaughter something? Slaughter... Slaughter Hotel. No, Sla- no it's not Slaughter Hotel. Steve will come Steve back and will tell be us. I can tell us, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but it seemed like there was, there was a gap. There yes. were the announcements and then no books. Yeah. So you start to become concerned. It was Vertigo still viable? What was going on? And yeah, yeah here they are. All still Steve, we need you. What was the name of that Vertigo book you talked about? <sighs> Survivor's Club. Survivor's yes. Club, not Slaughter Club. Uh, 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 <laughs> by the time I got done with it, it was so Slaughter bad. Hotel. Slaughter so. Hotel. Uh, so yeah, so um, that's going to do it pretty much. Where we go, you know, uh, you've got going to get in contact with us, contact with us at Talking Comics on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics, and podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email address. Head to TalkingComicBooks.com for all our reviews, columns, and our bevy of podcasts. The Misfits, Stephanie Cook, Melissa, Megan, and Mara Wood. Um, we've got Talking Games, Steve Say, Justin Townsend, Bobby North, Jackie Turner. That's, that's what that, that's, that's the that's cast. It. That's that's it. That's four. Yeah, it's enough. <laughs> that's four people. Um, we are in prime time game time right now. Yeah, dude. Uh, Yoshi's Woolly World. Yeah, I'm all about oh, it. Assassin's Creed comes out this week. It does I think so. IGN was live streaming it today, so I think so. Okay. And I think Halo is next week. Fatal wow. Frame is this week. It is. It got okay reviews. I know. I'm a little hesitant. I heard the stuff with the gamepad as the camera is awesome, but that it's kind of repetitive. And, and it, it that's is, yes, yeah. that doesn't excite me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, and then we got obviously Fallout. Fallout will be out soon. Yeah, there's a lot of games coming Rise out. Rise of the Tomb Raider. Rise of the Tomb Raider coming out as well. Uh, Halo Five. Halo Five For next week. Halos. I think it's next week. Yeah. So. Oh my God. 
I'm really looking forward to Halo because it's going to be like a 10-hour game and not like a 600-hour game. <laughs> I just find it interesting how the podcast is going to go from being the Destiny podcast to then being the Halo podcast. Only Justin's going to play it. <laughs> Jackie like, apparently has to play it too, though. Yeah, but she hasn't played two, three, or four. The problem was her to play all of them. They were, supposed wow. to, they were supposed to gun each of those. They oh, didn't. no, I know. They didn't. I know. <laughs> but they were supposed to, so I'll be very curious to see if that actually happened. Um, yes, yeah, so a lot of games coming out. I've been playing Mario Maker like a fiend. I just uh, caught the flash sale, and I oh, got cool. uh, Everyone's Gone to the Rapture. Oh, nice. And um, what else did I grab? Uh, something White Knight. Oh yeah, that's supposed to be a cool like, little horror game. Yeah, games are super cheap. Eight bu- eight eight bucks. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so lots of stuff to talk about on, on talking games. Yeah, um, talking movies. Brian Verderosa, Chris Oliphant, and and Nick Scalia. They're doing a horror movie month. Um, and I know I knew the name of the movie they were doing. It's it's not it's sort of a, it's more like a psychological psychological thriller. It's the one with Julie Christie and Donald Sutherland. Don't look now. Don't look now. So they're doing that one this this week. Uh, they did Psycho last week. Um, of course, we have Talking Valiant uh, as well, and Talking Shoujo, Mara Wood, Maria Norris. It's a lot of talk. A lot of talk yeah. of Madoka. Madoka. Madoka Magica. Madoka Magica. It has a much longer name, though, right? It's like there's Shinjiri Juku There's several. I think there's like four or five different series. Each one of okay. them is named something else, but the original is Madoka Magica. I always listen to like the first 10, 10 or fifteen minutes of their show because that's when they're not talking about those things I don't know what they're talking about. It's always interesting and fun. I recent. It's funny that they started with that because I recently watched the first series of Madoka, and I don't really have a lot of patience for anime anymore. But I have friends that do, and they forced me to sit down and watch that show. <laughs> the last two episodes of that show were mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Story-wise, my headphones are slowly <laughs> are, yeah. falling that's, off That's of how my amazing head. they were. <laughs> I'm just they blown away. Your headphones <laughs> just fell off your head. No, but seriously, <laughs> um, I think it was a very... Very uh, wise decision on their part to part to start with that series because the discussions that they've been able to have as you know educated women who are just fanatical about mm-hmm. this kind of stuff it's the perfect it's so em- mentally and emotionally intricate that if once you watch it one of those things that if you went back to, to the beginning you could watch it from a completely different perspective and it changes everything that you think about the two main characters and you, you feel like the opposite for them Mm. the second time around. And it's, it's really engaging to go through the series again, knowing what you know at the end. Cool. That's awesome. Yep. Awesome. So yeah, I look forward to, I look forward to that very, very much. And they're great. They put on an awesome show. Even for someone who doesn't know anything about any of that stuff, I enjoy listening to them talk about the books that they're reading and the shows that they're watching and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Bob, do you have any any final words? Are you going to stop me before the, the outro? Nothing. Nope. <laughs> and I didn't interrupt the theme either. You did not. You did not. Yeah. I did, though. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't hear that last time. I took it out. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> I took it out last time. Was it for that people, loud? People don't know. No, it was not that loud. But people don't know. I don't you know if you, well, you can hear it in the beginning of the show, but you might have heard a, a yell at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Last week. I've been like, okay, everybody be quiet. We're going to play the theme because I play it live so that we, you know, we get like a pump up to starting the show and I go, okay. And so we start the recording and then it's the headphone is like, bl- it's blaring in our ears, the, the thing. And Steve is like looking at a picture of someone. Yannick Paquette. Yannick Paquette. And, and Bob just yell, takes his, his mouth away from the microphone and goes, 
the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> That's what he looked like. Right, right in the middle of the theme song. So I did that today before it started. So we could go that. So you should listen to that. It's a hidden, it's a hidden gem. You should. I'm at Bobby Shortle on Twitter, by the way. Steve. I'm at dead underscore anchorist. Email address. Bob, Bob. Reier at talkingcomicbooks.com. Yes. And uh, again, go to the website, talkingcomicbooks.com and check out The Extra Life. Give give whatever you can. A few dollars is more than enough. Um, it goes to a great cause, you know, to to benefit the Children's Miracle Network. Um, and you get to watch people play games. Maybe I'll play Super Meat Boy. Oh, I was playing that the other day. Ooh, what? Huh? It's a, it's a platform. It's it'll a platformer. Just, it'll just oh. end with me in in a in a rage. Yeah, it's <laughs> super precise oh, platformer. God, it's a, I love it. It's a, it's a great game, but it's super super precise and very unforgiving. Um, so make sure, yeah, check out The Extra Life. Give whatever you can. Again, we don't see any of that money, but it's just it's a great cause, um, and it's a great time for this kind of great group charity thing to, to come together. And, and, you know, if you like video games and you like listening to video game podcasts, someone that you like is doing an Extra Life thing. So seek it out if you want to see, sort somebody else, but it all goes to the same pool, and, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful um, charity to, 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 to donate to. But that's going to do it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. For Steve... See you later. And Bob. Good night. I've been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs>